Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. Today, we welcome back Scott Bushke, managing partner and founder of Cornerstone Business Services. How are you doing today, Scott? Living a dream another day. <laughs> that's great. Well, thanks for coming in to visit with us again. Uh, another topic that's out there is business owners thinking to themselves, should I prepare before going to market? How would you handle that question, Scott? When you think about it and just go, okay, yeah, this is my largest asset. I'm, I'm going to sell it once. Well, yeah, no problem. I should prepare. And I think over 90% of business owners in Wisconsin took a survey through the Exit Plan Institute. I think it was like 95% said it's either important or very important to prepare their company for sale. But then when you look at the surveys, it's about 10 to 15% or so, or you know, less than you know, in some other studies with larger companies, less than 40% actually do anything to actually prepare their company for sale. And it, and it just is interesting because again, if you if you liken it to what they probably go back to of again of selling a house, it's imagine trying to sell your house and people are walking, you know, pull up to your house, you have them mow the lawn for four or five weeks, you know, there's all kinds of junk in the garage. You walk through the house, there's laundry and, and clutter sitting all over the place. And you just can't imagine why the house won't sell. Right. Or uh, kids, you know, it's dirty. And yet business owners just wake up one day and say, you know, in many cases, it's just not fun anymore. And, and I think it's time to sell my business and let's go. What do I do next? I want this thing sold yesterday because I right. held on too long. You know, because again, one of the biggest mistakes is business owners, are, especially baby boomers, and it's understandable. It's not a bad quality. They have got so much pride in their business that they started or took over from a family member or, or bought that they just have a hard time distinguishing, you know, their own personal net worth and their identity from the business identity. So they just hold on longer and longer and longer until it, at some point it just it, it stops bending and it breaks and they go, okay, it's time. Right. It's time to get out. So yeah, if I could wave my magic wand or if I had one of three wishes, if I had three wishes, one of my wishes would be for business owners to start out, you know, you could start today. There's never, it's never too early to start preparing for any kind of a transition, even if you just bought the company, because you never know when the industry might be really good or right. you have a health scare or your family member has a health scare or just something happens, good or bad, that you might need to move a lot quicker than, than you, you think. Because again, going back to several national studies, 50 50% of the time, 50 percent of the time, business owners go out not on their terms. They go out kind of on the dismal Ds, you know, those five dismal Ds of you know, divorce, disability, disagreement, and so on and so on. And it's sad because they spend, you know, yep. five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years putting all, all this together. And at the end of the day, it's like, for what was it all worth? They weren't able to have that liquidity event or extract that, that those dollars. So they have a lot of sweat equity built up, sure, but they never were able to change it into real equity dollars that they could then go with their financial advisor and invest that money and diversify their assets and, and really live their, their dreams and, and goals in life. Yep. Again, whether you're one month or 10 years away from selling your business, you know, there's still things you could do prior. And that's what we want to, you know, t talk about just like some of the big three today. The first one is, is understand what your business is worth. As we've talked in other segments, the number one reason why businesses don't sell is that people overvalue their company. Again, sure. it's their largest asset. There's no good comps. They're emotionally tied to the company. You know, most people that we talk to 
liking it to almost giving up one of their kids for adoption. And, sure. and so everybody puts a higher value on it than maybe there really is. And, and sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes they it's worth more than what they think, or there's sometimes they don't think there's any value and there really is value. You know, we had a very smart, you know, gentleman with a PhD and, and had a very successful consulting practice in behavioral health and had three locations and was just going to shut it down because he had done it for 17 years and enough was enough. And the financial advisor said, well, you know, let's bring Quarterstone in here just to take a look and see. And we thought it was worth about one, four, one, five. And about seven, eight months later, we closed on a deal for, I think it was one, seven or one, eight. Nice. And he would have left, you know, a million and a half dollars on the table, if not for his financial advisor to go, hey, time out. I think there's some value here. So there's, it's both sides of the coin. Yep. But this is this is what I would wish every single business owner would do. And, and right now it's probably less than 20% is number one, get an estimate of value. We do estimates value again at Cornerstone for two grand. You know, if right. you don't want to spend two grand to understand what your business is, your largest asset is worth, then you're, you're really not probably putting the time into it or, or really invested in this. You know, it doesn't have to be us. You go some, somewhere else, but someone that credibly, you know, another M&A firm that understands the marketplace and really knows what's going on in the marketplace. We've been studying this industry for over 20 years now, and we've got our Cornerstone on international lines that gives us advantages to really understand what's going on all over the country in multiple different industries and different sectors. But understanding what that value is and getting a realistic value, not again, a pie in the sky, well, the stars align, this is what it could be. You know, what's that realistic value of what other companies are actually selling for out there? And be careful going with, again, not wrong, a lot of CPAs that we work with and they do certified valuations and they're absolutely correct in how they do them. But for going to market purposes, a lot of times people look at, do more formulaic and you know maybe a discounted cash flow method. And the problem that I have with that or, I, or the flaw that I see is talk to any entrepreneur and ask them what the sales and profits are going to be for the next 10 years. Yeah, do you think they're going right. to have any year where it's, they're going to think of COVID or right. a recession or exactly. 9-11 or anything bad happening? No, it's yep. always going to be going up. So when the CPA discounts that back to today's dollars, the value is more than right. what the company's really worth today because that's probably not going to happen what they think the next 10 years are going to look like. Because again, we all are optimistic. But getting a realistic understanding of the value. So let's just say it's $10 million for easy numbers. But then go to your tax specialist. And most most CPAs, either them or someone in the firm can do it. If not, call us. We can give you some recommendations. But someone that really understands tax, because that way they can give you that worst case scenario. But then they could also say, hey, there's some different ways, that, things that we can do now to save you tax dollars. And it might not just be 10 or 20 grand. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, exactly. if not millions of dollars, if done ahead of time with some complex planning that really good specialists understand. And that's just money in your pocket or Uncle Sam's. That's as clear as it is. And then, okay, so it's $10 million. Who cares if it's $10 million? Okay, you're going to net out $6 million after debt and taxes and fees and everything else. Again, who cares about six? What is that going to do for me? I have no idea. So what you need to do then is sit down with your finance. So we call that the net number. You know, you kind of have your your total number, which is your sale price, and your net number after taxes and everything else and debt is your net number. And then the last number we talk about is the lifestyle number. So sitting down with that financial advisor and saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Financial Advisor, you know, let's can we do some retirement planning or estate planning? And, you know, so here's all the assets I have. Here's all the debts I have. You know, here's the lifestyle that I want to live. What's that wealth gap? What's that? What's the net number I need to fill in there to make my lifestyle happen, to be able to right. live my ideal lifestyle? Because at the end of the day, if we all really get down to it, that's really what we're trying to do is get to that ideal lifestyle. What's left on the bucket list? And what are the things that I really want to do? Otherwise, yep. unfortunately, we've seen people that just work to, literally to the day they die, you right. know, and it's like, yep. okay, they built up a 
big business, very successful, but they really didn't enjoy life at all. If for some, that's that's enjoyment, but for others, they just don't know how to get out. And that's what we're trying to do is help educating them about how they can get out, what their different options are. But this will give them, when they know what that lifestyle number is, and let's just say, we said the net number is six. So if the lifestyle number is five, holy cow, I can right. go to market now. If I get six, not only can I live my ideal lifestyle, I get an extra million dollars. Exactly. So if an offer comes in at five, five, go, oh man, it's not quite where I wanted it to be. I know I can still make a, a very well-informed decision that I can still sell. And if the number comes in at seven million, holy cow, I even got that much more gravy right. you know, to do things with where other people will go, well, I need 10. And they go out to the market and they get offers for six and seven and everything else. And what they really needed was five, but they don't yep. know that. And then they get these offers for six or seven, they turn them down, they get burnt out and it's kind of this death spiral. Sure. And the business starts to go down because they're burnt out and they're not putting the energy back into it. They don't want to reinvest back into it at their age. And all of a sudden now they're ended up liquidating their assets for $3 million yeah. and all the employees lose their job. Their legacy is gone after you know decades of hard work and they can't live their ideal lifestyle you know five or 10 years later and all that lost opportune time for them yep. and their spouse and their kids and their grandkids. So again, we're all about helping people make well-informed decisions. So if we can help you understand the value, work with your tax specialist or CPA. If not, we can help you give you a couple of referrals, understand what that net number is, yep. and then sit down with your financial advisor and say, what is that lifestyle number that I need? And if the net number exceeds the lifestyle number, then you know I'm ready to go. Because you can always work as an employee. You can always stay, you know, there's always things you can do, but there's there's less times when you can sell your business and get out what you want out of it. Right. Because the market changes. You know, if you were a hotel nine months ago, you're probably doing really good. It's a different story today. Exactly. You know, all of a sudden now you're taking on lines of credit that you didn't have before or whatever else it might be to just try to get through this. And it's not probably going to be a very quick recovery, you know, for right. some of those or retail, you know, so you just never know what's around the corner. You, you know, I just read a book and, and watched a documentary. One talks about these huge tax law incre- or tax increases in 2000, around 2026. Right. Another very, very well-respected economic specialist and in, in, in financial advice, kind of a coach for a lot of financial advisors around around the world. They're predicting a, a, the Great Depression like we've never seen at 2030. Wow. You know, so there's definitely Definitely some some headwinds coming up with all the money that the government's spending and all the baby boomers get older and and all the Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid and and, and that getting you know depleted you know something's going to give we right. can't just keep spending money and, and not expect that <laughs> taxes aren't going to go up or or someone's going to have to give something to to help that kind of figure things out so yep. once you have those numbers now you can make a well informed decision of does it make sense to go now yes okay great let's go if not no is an okay answer right and then let's go and let's work on you know what's needed is it that I got to build all my management team you know is it that I've got to you you know, get some sales trends up? Is it that, uh, you know, we got to professionalize the company and put the process and systems down into a computer system or at least into writing uh, versus in the owner's head? You know, just building, like I said, building up the management team, reducing customer concentration, you know, build up your pipeline, you know, whatever you can do to really get that company ready for sale. Cleaning up your financials is a big one. Right. You know, making sure that they're organized. And, you know, if you're doing over 10 million in revenue, I would suggest, you know, the last three years before you sell, doing an audit. Sure. You know, you're going to spend more money, no question about it. It could be thirty dollars to $50,000, but that is going to be an investment in the sale of your company. Yep. And then lastly, whether you did or didn't do an audit, but especially if you didn't, what we're recommending for companies over 10 million in sales, and it could be lower as well, depending like if that company is doing 5 million with a $2 million EBITDA, you know, we would recommend it for him as well. So if you're doing, you know, at least a million to 2 million or more in EBITDA, get a, what's called a QOV report or a quality of earnings report. And that's the new, but kind of buzzword or not so new anymore, I guess, for basically financial due diligence. And by doing that upfront and having it done by a credible third party, 
party that's not your CPA firm, it allows us, allows you and us to really understand, are there any, you know, skeletons in the closets? You right. know, have the financials been reported accurately? Have revenue been reported in the right month, right year? Same thing with expenses. The adjustments that we're making to get to that normalized EBITDA, can we truly substantiate those? Yep. Were there anything else unique that went on during, you know, the last three years and through the TTM or the trailing 12 months? Working capital. What amount of working capital needs to go with the business? You know, so we're not giving them too much working capital. That's an easy area where typically with preparing a company for sale, you can save hundreds of thousands of dollars just by watching your receivables, payables, and inventory numbers a little bit more closely over a six months to a year time frame. But it allows us then, once we know once that QV is done, that's basically what the buyer is going to do. So we can see what they're going to see in their due diligence from a financial sure. standpoint. Because whenever there's things that are grassly different, it's typically more on the financial side than, you know, legal is legal. And we'll get through that. Right. There'll be some bumps in the road, but deals blow up more over financial due diligence of the numbers aren't the numbers, or I want to give you, you know, I want to give you a haircut, i.e. I want to reduce the price by 20% a week before closing and take it or leave it type of a thing, because here's what we found in our financial due diligence. And when we have that QV up front and it's done by a credible third-party firm, Buyers look at that and go, okay, I want to look at that company. That's going to be a better chance of me getting to close because now they have an investment banker that's educating them. They got a quality QOV done that educate educating them. So there's less surprises. So when there's less surprises for a buyer, they're going to want to look at it more. So we're going to get more traction. It also allows us that there is something that's that we didn't find out and or we did find out that we didn't know. And the, even the owner didn't know. It's usually not the owners hiding anything maliciously. They just didn't know it wasn't reported correctly. We have time now to fix that. So before we go to market, hey, let's let's wait and fix that. That could be a week or a month. It could be six months, you know, if it's that big of a deal or worst case scenario, we can go to market going, Hey, we know this is an issue. And if you don't like it, then don't get in this deal. And it's amazing how much more lenient buyers are upfront. We say, yo, go ugly early, get everything out of the table, the good and the bad early, (laughs) because they're willing that way people self-select in or out. You're not waiting, spending all this time and money with someone that at the end of the day go, Oh, if I would have known that I would never even looked at this deal. You know, they've already looked at it. They can't bring it up again. They can't renegotiate the deal at the 11th hour. So it gives us a stronger position of negotiations. It also gives them more confidence that the numbers are the numbers. So what I've heard from many buyers, again, over my two decades of doing this is, you know, with, with lower middle market companies, they typically know that they're going to find something in the financial due diligence if there's sure. not if this isn't done. So they'll hedge their offer a little bit at a little bit of a lower multiple than what they normally would pay, knowing that when they find that, they're still going to be okay with the multiple that they're paying or the value because the last thing they want to do is lower the price at the eleventh hour for most of them. Some people just play that game and are out to you know kind of they know they're going to lower it at the le- you know and that's kind of their mo and uh, hopefully you don't work with those people and we try to screen those out. But some will say, hey, we don't want to do this, but look, this is a big adjustment. And you, yeah, yeah, I agree with it too. You know, so I guess we're gonna have to take a 20% haircut right before the time of the sale. And you've already got that, some of that money spent and know sure. what you're going to do with it. But by knowing that the numbers are firmer and they're, they're probably not going to find a surprise in the end, the buyer, we've talked with multiple buyers that have said, instead of paying a, just say a five multiple on a $10 million uh, revenue, $2 million EBITDA company, a five multiple would be five times two, which would be a $10 million value. Instead of paying five times, they may pay five and a half times because there's that less risk there. They'll pay more. So you've spent maybe thirty to fifty thousand dollars on a Q of E, but that extra half turn going from five to five and a half times two is an extra million dollars. And you might bring more buyers to the table. So it's extra million. So if you could spend $50,000 to get a million dollars in business, I think most people would say, where do I sign up? Let me get after right. this. Yep. But again, most people look at it as a cost, not an investment. Right. So it, it, those are the things that, again, as an investment banker, we'll drive you and give you our, or we'll give you our advice of, here's the things that we really think you you need to do to prepare your business. And we talked about the first three, but this is one, a QV that we'd strongly recommend. And there's many others in value 
enhancement, which we don't have time to get in all the value enhancement things that you could do. But just these are the few things that you should really do before you ever go to market. Because if you don't, you're just guessing. And then you have the sleepless nights and the gut wrenching. Should I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? Is this enough? Am I going to run out of money? Am I going to have to go get a job when I'm 75 years old? Or can I truly live my bucket list and enjoy life and, and take care of my kids and grandkids, right. take care of my community, my church, whatever they whatever they want to do to give back to the people that are important to them. You have a much better chance of being successful if you prepare, if you're well-informed and making smart decisions than if you just wake up one day and say it's not fun anymore like too many business owners do. Right. Yeah. And I mean, your overall point is so solid in that some preparation, if you prepare yourself ahead of time, you can maximize your dollars on, on the tail end of it. And you just get to maximize. The more you prepare, the more we can give bring you options. The more right. options you have, the more you can choose, the more you go out on your terms versus you know the buyer's terms. Yep. Well, fantastic. Scott, we, we really appreciate your insight on this. Again, folks, uh, we're visiting with Scott Bushke, the managing partner and founder of Cornerstone Business Services. Thanks for coming in, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode. 